This is probably the, the most familiar part of the story of Gideon. I think it is. At least if you know Gideon, you probably know this part of the story. So I think I can go ahead and tell you. I don't think I'm telling you any, I'm not hiding anything from you or, or, or taking take anything away from you. Just go ahead and tell you how this thing works out. God has promised that Gideon would defeat the Midianite army. He has allowed him to get 30,000 or well, 32,000 people to come together, and he tells Gideon, that's too many people. And God narrows that list down to about 300 people against uh, an enemy that was just overwhelming, just huge. They talked about him looking like, we looked down in that valley, they looked like a bunch of grasshoppers down there, is what he said. And um, God said, no, I just need 300 people, that's all I need. And he gives them the most rudimentary of weapons. They don't even have a weapon, actually. They don't even have a sword among them. They have a pot, a torch, and a trumpet. How weird is that? And he lines them all the way up around that Midianite camp. They, of course, crash the pots and put the torches up, blow the trumpet, and everybody goes crazy. And God gives them the victory. Now, now I want, I want, I want to get, we're going to get to this message here, but I want you to understand this as we go through this. One, that, Gideon had no idea how this thing was going to end up. I can't imagine that he had any idea that he was going to be walking out in front of this huge army with a pot and a torch and a trumpet. I, can, I can't imagine he knew that. But you know the one thing that was never in doubt? That God was going to save Israel from the Midianite army. That was promised from the beginning. That was how God introduced himself to, to Gideon. He said, I'm going to do this. That was never in doubt. I, I tell you that because I want to tell you all right now as we're about to go into this message. I know how this whole thing ends. Did you know you should know how this thing ends? If you don't know, let me just tell you how this thing ends. you know how it ends? Jesus Christ is Lord. This thing ends with the devil being defeated. We talked about that on Sunday morning, not this, this morning, but uh, last Sunday morning. We talked about it. the devil's going down. He's gone. He is a defeated foe. I get to live. We talked about this in this morning. I get to live in heaven forever. That's how this thing ends up. There's no question of those things. Wickedness is going to be punished. I, you, if you're in Christ, we are victorious. That's how this thing ends up. But I think I'm kind of like Gideon. Lord, I know you're going to win this thing. I ain't sure how you're going to do it yet. Not sure how you're going to do it. Because sometimes I feel, and I would say even most times, I feel like I'm not quite all that victorious. I feel like I'm, sometimes I can look at myself and I can evaluate myself as, man, you sure are a failure. What, look at all the stuff you're not doing. Look at all the stuff you're messing up. Look at all the stuff you're getting wrong. You're clearly not on the right track on this thing. But I want to assure you, and I want to assure myself, I am a victor. I am a conqueror. You are a victor. You are a conqueror. But sometimes we just need God to remind us of that. And that's when we read this story about how God gives Gideon this little 300-man army victory over the overwhelming Midianite forces. And I hope it gives you a little bit of hope that not only is victory possible, not only is victory available, but victory is in reach and victory is assured. But if you want the victory that Gideon had, and I believe that's the kind of victory we're going to have, that is that confident victory that God is going to provide, that's going to happen. If you want that, we have to pay attention to how Gideon got that victory because the way he got it, 
I think is instructive for us to know how the victory that we have in Christ is available to us. And we'll just take a few minutes and look at that together. I want to open with a word of prayer, and then we'll look at the passage together. Lord, I need your help as we study your word. Talk to you already about this, Lord, but I need you to speak to these people. If this is really what you want us to hear, I need you to speak to these people. Help them to see that you are the one who's already going to win these. You've you already got this figured out to win the victory. And you've got some plan for us here at this church, these individual people. Lord, you know that we're bewildered and we don't know which one which ends up sometimes. And we, we need your help, Lord. And we want to see you do amazing work. Allow us, please speak to us, convince us, open our eyes to what you're doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Judges chapter 7. I want to begin in verse 15. Judges uh, chapter 7 and verse 15. Finally, you'll see Gideon gets to work. This is what God's been working on Gideon on for a while. And here we see in verse 15, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream. This was that dream. Remember he walked down there to the Midianite army. You know, God told him, go out there and you wait in the bushes and listen. And a fellow talked about a dream where he was the winner. And he says, once he heard the telling of that dream, the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped, this is Gideon, worshipped the Lord, and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. He now says, it is time, it is time to get to work. We're going to do what God's told us to do. So look at what he does in verse 16. He, divides, he divided the 300 men into three companies. So he takes 300 and he's got these three groups of 100 and he puts them, essentially he's going to put them around the camp of the Midianites takes them and puts them into three companies and puts a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. Now, first of all, I want to make sure you understand that God is only using 300 people. He doesn't need more than 300 people. In fact, I would even argue God doesn't even need 300 people. He's just doing this to allow these people to feel like they're in the, in the game a little bit. But nonetheless, he uses 300 people. He doesn't need, and I want to tell you all this, this is directed to you, he doesn't need overwhelming forces. Is the devil strong? Are there lots of, is there a lot of wickedness in this world? Is there a big job for us to do? Absolutely. But God doesn't need an overwhelming force. You know what God needs? He needs willing obedient men and women to simply do what he tells them to do and we've got that here with this 300 people ready to do that he only gives them three items i already mentioned this before but there's not a weapon among them you might be able to burn somebody with the torch i suppose but that's about all you can do there's no weapon among what they've got there they've got a torch or he talks about there as a lamp that's essentially a torch that they have in their hands you can imagine them having a, a a torch with a big flame on it they've got a pot talks about their, uh, that they're pitchers. So get a big, think about a big clay pot. And I, I'm imagining they probably had that, that, that torch kind of hidden in that pot for a little bit so it, just, it could burn without then a lot, lot of light. And then they had a trumpet. They could make a bunch of noise. They could make some light. They, could, they had a pot maybe to hide that torch. That's all they had. They're not the weapons that you would expect to use. And that's the important thing you need to realize. The stuff that I think that I need to go fight the battles, to fight the enemies that I have in my life, I've, I got it all figured out. Don't you have it all figured out? All the stuff you need? Lord, if you'll just give me this, and we got a laundry list. We've got a big old grocery list of things we need. 
And God says, no, you don't need any of those things. You're going to get what I need. And I want you to understand that you are also in a fight, but your fight, unlike what Gideon's fight is, which is against the Midianite men and women, this army, this flesh and blood, the Bible tells us that your weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. He says, we do not fight a battle against flesh and blood. In fact, in Ephesians 6, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to win that battle. I want to be in the fight. I want to be one of those willing men and women who are doing what God wants us to do. And so if I'm going to fight that fight, the kind of weapons that I need are the kind of weapons God says I need. Not the kind of weapons I want, but the kind of weapons I, that he says I need. God's weapons are the weapons he uses to win the fight. They're not the logical weapons of the flesh. Let, let's think about it this way. We want to we change the world for Christ. Let's just, let's just think about this for a minute. We all think with me for a second? You want to change the world for Christ. Well, what do we need? Well, we need the biggest building we could possibly find. We, we, need, we need buses. We, we need, we need uh, you know, awesome preacher. We, we need great facilities. I mean, am I even hitting on the right stuff? I mean, that's the kind of stuff we think. We need great music. We, we, need, to, we, need, we, need, to just, we need something to be real attractive. I mean, mean y'all might have different opinions of exactly what those are, but that's the kind of stuff we think about, is it not? That's the kind of stuff we think about. But I want to tell you what God says is going to be the weapons that we use. This is over in Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn there if you'd like to, but I'm not going to read the whole passage. But in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, he says that we need to take the armor of God. The armor of God. You know what the armor of God is? He says you need your loins girt with truth. Do you know what God says if you want to fight the battle against the enemy you need to do? Y'all need to quit lying and tell the truth. I think sometimes we think it's okay to, to stretch the truth and to, to exaggerate some things to kind of get our point across because, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for good. No, no, God says, my people tell the truth. And you say, well, that sounds like a weird weapon. I know, that's what God said. What, you need to tell the truth. He says, you need a breastplate of righteousness. Y'all need to live right. He said, well, I want to change the world. I don't want to change my life. No, no, he says, I'll change the world. You live right. He says, put your feet, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, make sure you take the gospel with you. He said, well, I thought we were going to change the world. I, I thought we were going to put some big program in place. No, just take everywhere you go, everything you do, make sure the gospel is in the middle of what you're doing. He says, you need a shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Everything that happens in your life, whether it is your health or your job or your family or your church or your community or the politics or anything in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to trust God for the outcome for that thing. That's what he says, have faith to quench the fiery darts. Because what the devil's going to do, he's going to throw all kinds of garbage at you. But what we need to do is put our faith in God. He says, also, you need the helmet of salvation. You want to change the world? You make sure you're saved. You make sure your calling and election is sure. And he says, then you need to have the sword of the Spirit. And you say, well, there we go. I get to cut somebody. Well, yeah, I guess so. But you better know the Bible. You better know what you're talking about. You better understand that. Let this word change you because it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces into me to cut asunder. That It cuts asunder me as well as it does to you. But I need to know my Bible. I need to know the word of God. And then finally in verse 18, he says, praying always. I need to stay in touch with heaven, stay in touch with headquarters. 
So, so we want to change the world. We want to defeat the enemy. We want to be victorious. Well, I, those are just a few things. If you want to go back and look at it yourself when you have some time in Ephesians 6, I just need to tell the truth. I need to live right. I need to take the gospel wherever I go. I need to trust the Lord. I, I need to stay in touch with heaven. I need to make sure I'm in the right place with the Lord, and I need to study my Bible. You may say, well, that doesn't even, I mean, I thought Billy Graham did all kinds of stuff. Well, he did, and God had a special uh, plan for his life. But you know what God said for you to do? Tell the truth, live right, study the Bible. He'll figure it out from there. Do you, you see how this works? Because what I want to do is I want to take up arms. I want to go and charge the world. As my daddy says, ch ch charge hell with a water pistol. That's what I want to do. But God says, no, no, just chill out, calm down. I gave you my word. I want you to read it. And I want you to do what it says, and I want you to trust me for everything I do. Those are the weapons that we have. If we have any hope of victory, it is only going to come down whenever we pick up not the weapons that we want, not the weapons we say, well, if I could do this, then I can change the world. No, God's going to say, if you want the victory that I'm going to give you, you're going to pick up the weapons I give you. And those are the weapons that he gives us. That's exactly what Gideon's army does. Now, we also not only need to use his weapons, God's weapons, but we also need to fight in God's way. What you'll find in this passage here, these people, they actually, let me back up and say it this way. What, I, I will give you the unholy trinity of infighting with any, in, any group of people. What are those three things? Well, one, if I can divide you into multiple camps, if I can divide and conquer, right? If I want to really cause some discord in this church, I'm going to say, these people over here think they're better than these people over here, and these people over here have said some bad stuff about them. Am I right? That's how you do that. You want to divide everybody up in camps. That's the first thing. Second thing that I can do to really cause some infighting is I want to make sure everybody looks at me. Look how good I am. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm the most important person here, and that can go for me or any one of y'all. You'll do that. You can really cause some problems in a church. And then make sure, make sure you spread some lies and some gossip that gives everybody talking and panicked and worried about something that's going to happen. They don't know what it is, but they're worried about it. You, you do those things, you're going to mess some people up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are y'all with me? Are y'all awake? Have I bored y'all to death? I'm sorry if I have. I apologize. But I want y'all to know that this is kind of important. But, but, but you do those things, and you're going to have some problems. But I want you to understand that that's exactly the tactics that God uses against the Midianite army. He takes these people, in verse 16, and he divides these 300 people into three companies. He puts them into different parts. And you know what else he does? In verse 20, if you go down to verse 20, they take those three things that God gave them, and it says there that they blew the trumpet, they break the pitchers, and they held the lamp in their, in their left hands, and with the trumpet, their right hands did blow with all, and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They made all kinds of noise. They were trying to get the Midianite army to look at them. Look at that fire they've got. Listen to what that sound. They're trying to get all the attention pointed to them. And then what happens in verse 21, and they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and the, all the host ran and cried and fled. They just stood there, and Midian, the whole army of Midian just started going every which way. In fact, the way the, the language here of this idea of the cried, they were literally like, I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you're laying in bed asleep and then the next second you're just like bump jumping out of bed that's kind of the idea they're just jumping up and they don't know where to go they're just mind is like i got to get out of wherever i am they cause so much confusion in that camp but what god has done is he has taken those very tactics that would normally create infighting within a group and he has focused them to the outside to the enemy 
think what times, one, sometimes we have the biggest problems is because we've lost sight of who the enemy is. Do you understand that your enemy does not exist in this church? Your enemy doesn't even exist in your neighborhood. Your enemy is not other people. Your enemy is the devil, of course, and sin. We understand that. But the tactics we use, sometimes we get so uptight and upset about what he said, he did, what that person did. Quit that. Use those tactics, that anger, that frustration, that irritation. Quit pointing it at other people and point it at the enemy. Because those same things that mess up everybody else, they mess up the devil too. And that's exactly what God has used here. These people don't even have to lift a sword. Look at verse 22. It says, the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Do you know that they didn't even have to pick up a sword? They didn't have a sword to begin with, so even if they had to get in a fight, they couldn't have done it. But you know what God did? He made it so that they, the Midianite armor, fighting each other. They're so confused and so upside down and confused that the enemy literally destroys themselves. And they say, it goes on to say there, even in verse 22, even throughout all the host, and the host fled to Bethshittah in Zareth and to the border of Abel Mola unto Tabath. So basically, you may not can tell that because I probably mispronounced those things like crazy, but where they went is they went outside of the borders of Israel. They went down away from Israel. They go outside of Israel is where they go. They don't have to do any of those things because why? They are focused on the right enemy. They're not fighting within each other. By the way, Israel, the best, the best case study ever of infighting. Because you go to the end of the book of Judges and you'll see the biggest civil war you've ever seen. They fight and fight and fight with each other. But when they actually, instead of fighting with each other, turn those tactics to the enemy, they focused on the enemy, they're fighting the way God wants them to fight, you see here, they don't even have to lift a finger, God accomplishes it through them. You see, the win has been promised, the victory has been assured, and God has given me and you a role to play in all of this. But what happens? I think sometimes we get bored, we get distracted, we get selfish, and we take these same tactics God told us to turn on the enemy, and we turn it on our brothers and sisters. You do that, and you can just better believe you're going you're to lose the battle. You're going to literally shoot yourself in the foot. You're literally going to shoot yourself in the foot. If not yourself, you're going to shoot your brother in the foot, and y'all are, at least half of you now is wounded. You've got a problem. But we get impatient, and we attack the wrong way. But you have to do what David said. When David went into the battle with Goliath in, in 1 Samuel 17, he went to Goliath, and he told Goliath, he said, listen, not my battle it's not my fight the battle is the lord's it's his win it's his way it's for his purposes so what is my job quit i think i think sometimes we get we, we get to thinking it's about us i know i do i get i get my feelings hurt i do i just do i get my feelings hurt like man I, they, they they didn't like me they were against me they didn't like my idea my thing my want what i wanted I'm just, I'm just complaining to y'all about what's in my heart, so forgive me. If y'all are perfect, go ahead. But I'm just telling you, that's what's in my heart. And I start feeling like that, so I start getting all, all upset and uptight about something. And I might even lash out at somebody against And you know what? That's the wrong, wrong enemy. You're not my enemy. There's not a person that's a, that's a member of this church, that's a visitor of this church. There's not a person in 100 miles of this church that's my enemy. There shouldn't be. Now, I might make them my enemy, and that's where I'm wrong, but they're not my enemy. The real enemy 
is the devil. The real enemy is the sin that attacks people. The real enemy, that's the real enemy. And what I need to do is say, Matthew, it ain't about you. You got your feelings hurt. Get over it. It's not your battle to begin with. It's the Lord's battle. He's got something to do. You need to sit down, take the weapons he's given you, and start using them the way he wants you to and direct them towards the right enemy. And that enemy is not these other people. This enemy is the devil himself. But I want you to see now in verse, in, uh, in chapter 6, go back to verse, chapter 6 and verse 14 if you don't mind. Um, I want to show you this in verse 14, how God actually tells, what God actually tells Gideon before this all gets going. I want you to listen to what he says. He, he's talking to Gideon. He said, the Lord looked upon him, talking to Gideon, and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand, from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So God's telling Gideon, he says, I'm gonna, you're going to save Israel. I'm going to give you the power to do this, but you're going to save Israel from the Midianites. Go down to verse 16. I want you to read this with me as well. Here's the Lord talking to him again. He says, surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. This idea of there's going to be unity within the ranks. They're going to come at, him, come at the, the enemy as, as together and not, not, not separated in this way. But the point of all that is to simply say, God said, he simply said, you're going to defeat them, you're going to do it with unity, and I'll give you the power. That's all he said. So, when I come back down here to verse, uh, where was that, verse 22, and they're fighting each other, the Midianites are fighting each other, God said, the Lord said, every man's sword against his fellow, and throughout all the host, and the host fled, so Midians, Midianites flee, they, they run to the border, they're getting out of town. They leave the country. They are, un they, they, they are overwhelmed by this force, which is God himself. There's no other way to, 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 to describe that than mission accomplished. God has told him what he would do, and he's done what he's going to do. Even to the point where not only do they leave the country, the generals and the kings who were in the country, and you could read about this over in, in, uh, in chapter 8 and verse 3, you'll see some of the generals, in chapter 8 and verse 12, you see the kings. They have even fled the, the scene of the battle. So everybody is out of there, and in fact, in the next few verses, you'll see there's even more unity. So there's unity around and abounding. And I'll tell you this, there's nothing like victory to bring people together. When we start winning, man, you, you can see this in sports teams. You ever see this in sports teams? He's like, I, I never knew anybody was a fan of that team until they win the Super Bowl. You know, that's how that kind of works. It kind of, everybody starts jumping on the bandwagon. That's kind of how that works. And that's exactly how it works with us. It brings everybody together. It makes even the cowards brave. It's funny because in verses 20, uh, 20 uh, where did I miss the place there? In verse uh, 23, it says, The men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. You've got those three groups. If you'll remember, those were the people that all came together to form 32,000 people. And Gideon goes up there and says, hey, if y'all are scared to fight, y'all can go home. And 22,000 of them head to the house. But now what happens? They're back in the fight. Now, I'm, not, I'm not faulting them because I understand we all get afraid of different things, but it's funny how a victory will bring people to the battle, bring them to the battlefield. There were some who were cowards. They are now brave. There were some that were too good or maybe were overlooked. They're ready to fight. 
but all of this is God's doing. What I want you to see in this, because I think sometimes we can start getting a little snotty about things, because I think this is what's going to happen here at this church. Just so y'all know, I'm going to predict this. That if there's going to be a couple of y'all that's going to get a hold of this thing, that God wants to use you, and you're going to actually obey him, and we're going to see some people get saved, and we're going to see this church start growing in ways we haven't seen in a few years, and we're going to get some excitement here. That's just going to happen. And you know what's going to happen when that happens? That sort of thing is contagious. It's contagious. And there's going to be people saying, man, I want to get a hold of something. Somebody over there is doing something. I want to be part of that. And some of y'all are going to look at them and say, well, where were you when we weren't doing all that? When we didn't have that, where were you at? That's what you're going to think. I know you're going to, I'm going to think the same thing. I know that. We're all going to think it. But we need to hush our mouth because that's not the point. You've got to understand that that's how God works sometimes. He allows us, a few of us, to get, a, get in, ignited with a flame. And when that flame, it attracts, it is attractive. That life attracts other life. And we've got to realize that it wasn't you Let's just say for the sake of illustration, because Mark's sitting right there, let's just say it was Mark that gets a hold of something. And he just, whoo, just, you could just tell God's working in his life. Mark might get the tendency to get the big head. Well, look at me, I'm Mr. Spiritual. No, it ain't Mark. No more than it's Matthew or Daryl or Mary. It's no more, none of us. It's God's the one that did that. He's the one that's accomplished that. We are only victors because of him Romans 8.37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now you need to understand this. If we want the devil to be defeated, if we want real unity in this church, if we want souls to be saved, I'm talking about, on a I would love this, on a regular basis, we're filling that baptistry up every week to put more people through there. If we want that to be happening, if we want our community to look out in our community, and I know it's changed demographics and all that over the years, but we want to see this community be this bastion of the gospel, not just this church, but this whole community be changed by the gospel. If we want to see that, we want to see our families changed. I, 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 we, can, we can talk about stuff like, for example... We got, we got some young people in our, in our congregation with us tonight, and in a few, not that many years, sorry to fast forward your lives uh, there, Siemens, because it's happened to us too, but not that many years, not that many years, they're going to be gone. Ain't that right, Charles and Amanda? Not that many years, they're going to be out of there. It's gonna, it, just, it just happens. That's just the way it happens. And <laughs> not that long, but the reason I'm telling you that is because you don't want them just out of the house. You want them in the church and not just any you want them in any church if it's your family you want them in any place but as this congregation we want the young ones to be here because they're the life of the future of this church we want that but if we want that to happen it can't be because we picked up our weapons and said well this is what the kids want so we're going to do that it can't be because we said i'm going to do it my way because i've got better ideas than you've got no 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 and we definitely can't say, well, if, they, if it does happen that we continue to grow, we can't say, well, that's because I figured out how to do it. No. If we want these things to happen, we have to stop trying to do it ourselves. We have to get in line behind the general, Jesus Christ, and do exactly what he's told us to do. And it's not a mystery, by the way. 
You know why we don't get these kind of victories? It's not because it's hidden from us. It's because we don't like to do it. Because we don't like to pick up the, the battles of his warfare. We've got our own ideas of what we need to do to fight this fight. We've got our own ideas of how we want to do it, and we want it my way or the highway. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's my way, not yours. It's my way. In fact, some of us, I think, are going to find defeat because if you go back to chapter 7 and verse 2, Gideon had pulled together 32,000 people. And the Lord said, to, and from a human perspective, it's all, I mean, this is, this is awesome. But God said, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Why? Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. I want to go ahead and just tell you this, and I'm wrapping up. I want to go ahead and tell you this, that maybe I'm telling myself this. I'll just be honest with you. Maybe I'm telling myself this. But I think sometimes the Lord purposely handicaps us a little bit because he knows that if we do it the way we want to do it, we're going to sit back and say, look at what I did. And God's going to handicap us whatever which way he needs to do it so that at the end of the day, we're going to give him the praise. We're going to give him the glory for this. I want to enjoy victory. I have victory. I want to enjoy it. But the only way I'm going to get to enjoy it right here, right now, is if I will fight the fight with his weapons, I do it in his way, and I give him the glory when it's all said and done. That's the only way. Anything short of that, I'm, I'm like the children of Israel who've gotten the victory of getting out of Egypt, going through the desert, getting away from all that, on their way to the promised land, and I'm lifting up a cow that's it and i'm gonna say that's what got me where i am it's exactly what we'll do god's the one that got us there but what we do is we say well look at what i just did you didn't a bit more do it than anything wasn't you it's the lord i want that i want to ask you to stand i'm going to ask you to i hope i've given you something to think about if nothing else, I'll give you something to think about, but I'll hope that you're doing that, because here's what I want you to do, and I'm, I'm asking you to do this, and you can, you can do it or not, but I want you to do it. Will you talk to the Lord right now, and maybe it might even be a good idea, if you feel comfortable doing this, I'd love to, a few of you might come down here at this altar and pray this prayer with me. That, Lord, I want victory in my life and in this church, and I'm willing to fight with the, the fight with the weapons that you've given me I'm willing to fight the way you fight and I'm willing to give you the credit for it whatever that takes I, I, we need some people that are willing to do that if we want any kind of victory here at this church we're going to have to have some people doing that and I want to invite you to be some of those people would you do that would you pray that prayer with me y'all come on if the Lord has led you to do so